This podcast is brought to you in association with Bentley Systems. Valued for their depth, breadth, and scalability, Bentley software solutions can help you gain insight from the data you create and coordinate, improve decisions, and achieve better business outcomes. With digital technology changing the way the world lives, it's time to apply digital technology on infrastructure projects to close the productivity gap with other industries. Your organization may already be going digital, but if it's struggling to embrace change or realize the benefits of digital technologies, Bentley invites you to gauge your organization's progress by taking one of our going digital assessments. Work with a partner you can trust and accelerate your pace of possible by going digital with Bentley at bentley.com forward slash going digital. Hello and welcome to the Engineers Collective. I'm Mark Hansford. And I'm Alex Wynn. And today, shortly, we're going to be joined by Sadie Morgan, founding director of the Sterling Prize winning practice DRMM and independent design panel chair for High Speed 2 and one of 10 commissioners for the National Infrastructure Commission. But before that, let's reflect on some of the bigger stories of the month. And for a change, possibly, I'd like to start on a real positive. This is a change. What's made you so happy? Well, I am really genuinely quite happy that we can say and sit here today, this month, a major infrastructure project is actually, or at least a bit of a major infrastructure project, is opening one year early. Should we tell people who, which one it is? Well, happily. It's the A14 upgrade. Biggest um, new road um, that's been built in this country in a number of decades, actually. And um, a decent chunk of it, I think a 20 kilometer section of it, is opening ahead of schedule. It's been delivered by the A14 integrated delivery team, which, by uncanny coincidence and handy coincidence, only this month swept the board at the British Construction Industry Awards, winning four categories and the overall initiative of the year prize. It's not bad, not bad. So is it two things that are striking me about this? Um, is it entirely to do with the fact that they had very automated plant on the project? Because there was a fair bit of excavation to be done, was there not? A lot of excavation. Yeah. It's pretty much Greenfield Road, or big chunk of it is. But yes, lots and lots of... But loads of stuff is, is, is game-changing and different on that project. Yep, they've completely automated the plant and they're even trialling, taking people out of the out of the machinery at all and moving, paving the way for a completely kind of automated, roboticised sort of site environment. Massive improvements in safety through that. Loads of other safety stuff they've done through through having a complete working digital twin is a word that's used a lot. We had a whole podcast on digital twins a couple of months ago. They've got one. They're using it. It's improving safety. It's improving um, productivity. And as they've been delighted to announce this uh, this month, it has led to that first section opening a year ahead of schedule. And as they said. I'm going to finish my little A14 promo piece now. As they said in their submission, it's a project that Highways England Chief Executive Jim O'Sullivan is proud to describe as the only major infrastructure project in the UK that is currently on time Oof. and on budget. Oh, 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 oh. Let's see if we hear from any other major infrastructure projects refuting that. But um, Well, indeed, one we won't not... be hearing refuting that is, uh, is, is Hinkley. 
I'm still on A14. We'll come on to Hinkley. Oh, okay. there, are, there are two other things I was going to mention about A14 then. So you mentioned Digital Twin. I we did. did a whole podcast with Bupinder Singh at Bentley about genius of Digital Twins. What was it actually in real life, in simple terms, on the A14, as far as you know? You had to ask me that, didn't you? <laughs> well, if it's such a miracle maker, I think we need to know more. I mean, the idea is before is you, is the simplest form, is it not that you build it virtually and then you build it in real life? That, that's pretty much it so in a nutshell. as yes. visual as you can make it, as tangible as you can make it in a technological form now, it is being done, it has been done on the A14. So when they came to do the actual excavating, marking out, whatever, all yep. sorts of the the on-site activities, they were all rehearsed effectively. All, all rehearsed, all, absolutely. And, 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 you know, the beauty of people tell you of the digital twin is, is when you're feeding back real-time information yeah. into the model. So the model is updating. You're sharing that information with, with everyone involved in the project. So I guess you get to that ultimately, the, the no surprise environment. Mm. Nothing comes off a surprise to anyone because they've all got access to the real living, breathing model, which is an actual representation at any given time of what's actually happening out there on site. And so you can make good decisions. You yeah. can make um, smarter programming decisions. If something's lagging behind in reality, you can reschedule. You can go and do something else. I mean, yeah. it, I suppose the beauty yeah. of it is... It's not rocket science, is it? <laughs> no, I mean, some people probably might think this kind of thing's been happening for a long time, but it is quite a complex field to work in to try and get everyone singing from the same hymn sheet, but that's effectively what it's doing. The other thing that just, unfortunately, when you've been writing for NC for a little while, you do have a tendency to come back to subjects that um, maybe crop up over the years. Now, A14... That originally was a project that was discussed as a road pricing project, was it not, Mark? Good memories. Because actually, was. I'm really intrigued because there's a transport committee, um, I, I want to say investigation, it might be a bit of a strong word for it, but a, a discussion happening imminently, I believe, about the introduction of road pricing. Can it ever really be done in the UK? It's a really good, pretty good memory from first and foremost. I did um, wonder if I was hallucinating. No, I'm it, it was, it was an it, and memory. of course, it was a project that was back before we entered into this bold new world of Highways England and RIS mm. and and nice funding programs for Highways England. It was a program that was canned because without mm. road pricing, it was just not affordable. And the um, spending review of 2010 was it one of those that I think it, it was, it was yeah. then? I think it, it might have been kind of centered around that period. Yeah. So yes, it was a. It was a project without road pricing was not going to happen. Oh, intriguing. Um, clearly, that that's, that policy changed, <laughs> but it but it doesn't change the the continued debate around whether or not some kind of paying for mm. how much you travel is not the ultimate answer to our ever increasingly congested roads. And, mm. and it, I mean, it's interesting that high, um, the ICE do a, do a do a do a survey um, every year, sort of investigating public attitudes of mm. various things relating to infrastructure. I think this year's survey showed that there's a continuing softening of public opposition to road pricing, let's say. I wouldn't say it's, yeah. its opinion has switched completely to widespread public support for road pricing, but it seems to be a, it's, it's less disliked yeah. as a policy decision than it but used to that, be. I mean, it's just occurring to me now, I'd be surprised if actually at a push and if the questions weren't phrased in the right way, 
given the climate of Extinction Rebellion, mm, people's exactly. awareness of paying for a plastic bag in a supermarket, you didn't want to pay for that, or people broadly didn't want to pay for that when asked before. I do think there's something about actually if you present them with a fait accompli and the reality of you're going to be moving to a more environmentally friendly form of transport, whether you like it or not, get on board, pay per use and start taking responsibility. I wonder if there's something in the movement of that that could dramatically transform how we manage our strategic roads, if nothing else. You, you, you absolutely do think you, that, as with a lot of things, the, the environment, the net zero thing, is is the trigger for a lot of this stuff. I mean, the selling of new non-electric mm. cars is, is going is to be going to be banned in, in not that far mm. away from now. Um, so crikey! So when 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 that happens, that's that's a big sort of klaxon sounding, isn't it? Around you know what are what are what are roads? What is what's what are, what do they do to the environment? So so yeah, that this kind of mood music yeah. is getting louder. I'll be listening. Mm. So yes, you mentioned if we are going to use some energy, we might electricity for those cars. We might need. Um, some other form of energy provision. You referenced it briefly there. Yeah, that's actually not a not a there's a there's a link there, isn't there? Yeah. Is if all our cars are going to become electric, we kind of do need some decarbonised energy to run them on. And of course, this month, unfortunately, whilst A14 is is ploughing ahead, it's maybe a lone furrow, you could say, for on-time delivery. Sadly. Um, Hinkley has sort of really completed that unfortunate hat trick, hasn't it? If you mm. put Crossrail's delays and HS2's cost cost problems and review in, in, in Hinkley is now also over budget and running late. And it has raised concerns around if it is now going to be significantly delayed, mm. as it appears it might be, <clears throat> it's now not going to come online in time for some of the other ageing nuclear power stations to, to, to drop off the Cold. grid. So yeah. what do we fill the gap with? And, yeah. and so there are obvious concerns there. Mm. And it'd be terrible, wouldn't it, if the well, gap was I think we can't as well with, with some of them, can't we? We've already extended the life of some of the coal power stations. It's not right. going to be feasible. Just keep doing, no. plugging that gap. And meanwhile... We kind of stagnated on some of the green energy mm. movements in terms of yeah. wind and solar. Well, exactly. We didn't really help that industry keep thriving no. with policy and funding incentives. What <laughs> my favourite bit about this? What, what's the latest trouble, should we say? With <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a tricky one, isn't it? Ground conditions, yeah, unforeseen ground them, yeah. conditions, the age-old classic, yeah. classic How problem. How long they've been looking at ground conditions at Hinkley for? Well, I think I think they've got. A, Thinking over a decade. I think they've got a power plant right next Ooh. door, haven't they? Which they've yeah. usually dug the same sort of hole for. And the so. sea's always been there. I take it I think in so, recent yeah. times next door. But yeah. Doesn't sound like the whole story. Doesn't sound like the full full truth, does it? Although yeah. the same logic is being applied to why HS2 is struggling as well at the moment, isn't it? Again, yeah. yes. I mean, I'm sure the geotechnical engineers love having the spotlight thrown on them at this point, but at the same time, it does allow them to issue the call for further site investigation in advance. <laughs> well, that's true. That's more, true. more boreholes. Yes. It's always, the, always the argument for more site investigation. Yeah. So really, frankly, it kind of is on those projects to maybe take accountability one way or another. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yes, yeah, oh, clearly I'm Hinkley's unfortunate. Um, a, a, a14, incredible. Um, road pricing, watch this space. Road pricing, watch this space. 
Around the world, engineers and architects, constructors and owner-operators are using Bentley software solutions to accelerate project delivery and improve asset performance for the infrastructure that sustains our economy and our environment. Together, we are Advancing Infrastructure. This month's podcast guest is architect Sadie Morgan, one of the founding directors of Sterling Prize-winning practice DRMM. Over a 25-year career, Sadie has been a strong advocate for exemplary design in architecture and infrastructure. As a design champion, Sadie holds a number of advisory roles, including chairing the Independent Design Panel for High Speed 2, reporting directly to the Secretary of State, and being one of 10 commissioners for the National Infrastructure Commission. Sadie is quoted as saying, our infrastructure projects should engender national pride, matched by a sense of local ownership, from electricity pylons to flood defences, bridges to road signs. They need to be fit for purpose and sensitive to their context, and should be designed for the needs of the future, which, arguably, could mean not having them at all. Welcome, Sadie. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. So, given that... What's your favourite example of an infrastructure project right now that is engendering that national pride? Oh, gosh, well, I I think I would have to say uh, London Bridge, uh, mainly because I think it's, I use it every day, and I think it's an extraordinary example of what we do well as a country when it comes to building our infrastructure. I know it's a station, I know it's not the Mm. flood defence or... Uh, all of those other things that we've talked about but I think it's a real it's, it, it talks to the sort of problem solving of good architecture which I love mm. I love um, really difficult you know kind of projects really complex conundrums that are unpicked by good design and I think this is in a really a good example of it and I love the way that it knits itself into the city I love the way mm. that it improves the journey not just um, uh, the, you know, the kind of journey through, but also the journey as a destination. And it's really helped to regenerate that area. So I think it's a real, mm. really good ex- example of fabulous infrastructure design. How much would you say that is for those who maybe aren't as familiar with it as you, that it's about the end result only, or how much is it about what was there before and how that evolved into the moving from the existing station it's somewhat shambolic yeah, parts yeah. into I mean, the, the new existing, version i mean the existing sh- uh, station was just not fit for purpose mm. and i as i i mean i used it every single day ironically i <laughs> i lived in kent and then uh spent two years uh with the disruption and then moved to london bridge the minute it was open but um the very fact that you could keep uh the you know the kind of railway open mm. uh throughout the construction period i thought was extraordinary and uh, yes it was disruptive but nowhere near as disruptive as not having any um you know uh, any service at all and and that is I think one of those things that we don't remember uh, about these big projects you know we're always sort of you know we're you know, we're the first to complain about, you know, disruption or nothing happening on time or being late. But the, I mean, we have an antiquated uh, railway system that has mm-hmm. been underinvested in for years. And so, you know, there has to be some pain that we all have to take uh, in order to get it up to speed. And I think that the way in which this is done and, and the, you know, the, those who are on the ground trying to kind of, you know, kind of fit it all together mm-hmm. and make it work for us, you know, we should be, we should be, you know, I think they're the unsung heroines and heroes, actually, of mm. of, of uh, our infrastructure world. I'm not, I'm really pleased. You're so pleased, in fact, that you you 
you picked London Bridge. Didn't know yeah. you were going to pick London Bridge, but I feel I've got a bit of vested love in it as well. As someone who does also use it every yeah. day now, yes. didn't used to use yes. it every day, used a different commuting route until that was open. So it's transformed my life and made it mm. better. Um, and also, I think it's great because... I mean, it, I think you're right. It's a project that perhaps, I mean, there was some, you know, there was some disruption while there while it's being built, but ultimately it has had a transformational impact. And as we were actually reflected, we did a little supplement with Thames Link uh, a few months ago, just reflecting on the lessons learned from it, because it's one of those, actually a classic example of, of an infrastructure project where, yes, it went, it ended up costing considerably more than the plan was for it to start costing. Yeah. And, you know, that was, you know, that was, you know, rightly kind of scrutinised and, and criticised a little bit at the time. But now now it's been open for what, a year, year and a half, two years. And, you know, people are moving through it. You see what they've done. You know, the, all the, all the, the um, retail units are fully occupied and being used. Yeah. It's clear. And you see the regeneration that's yeah. going on around the, sort of the backside of what used to be the backside of the London Bridge station there. It's clearly doing far, far, far more yeah. than just being a station yeah. and, and clearly is probably therefore bringing loads more benefits than were probably captured in that initial benefit cost ratio, whatever it was. But it's, you know, it just shows the power yeah. of a good and bit I, of design. You know, exactly. And I, I couldn't agree more. And I think when we look at our big infrastructure projects, we have to, you know, we have to bear that in mind. And you're mm. quite right. There isn't. I mean, we need to evaluate them better. And we need to understand that if we need, if, if they're going to work truly as transformative projects, not just a railway system, but transformative projects that um, allow us as a country to, you know, kind of squeeze, squeeze the investment uh, that is put in them out, then we have to make sure that they're, you know, that they really do um, help to regenerate areas and, and, and they will only do that if they're great pieces mm. of design and great pieces of infrastructure that, as I said before, are knitted back into the city mm. and open up, you know, kind of opportunities that just weren't there before. Mm. And, you know, uh, London Bridge is a really great example of that. King's Cross is a really great exa example of that. You know, and if we look at the big projects that are coming on board, we just, you know, we have to have faith that they will mm. be able to do the same. Um, and that they will be able to regenerate areas, um, not just in London, but, you know, north of London, um, you know, who, who are crying out for that kind of investment, that kind of um, opportunity for them to have a sort of the same bite of the cherry. Um, and, and I, you know, I really, I really think that we have to we we have to look at these projects in a different way you know we have to think of about them as more than just a railway or yeah. you know or a, or a piece of infrastructure it's funny we're going to come on to one of those points in one of our questions in a, in a wee while about <laughs> wow, how we a, a beautiful segue <laughs> yeah how we tell that story yeah. and who tells that yeah. story well for yeah. engineers and designers yeah. everywhere yeah, and and I think on London Bridge, I mean that's such a great. Sign. I just hope, and I'm sure someone is collecting all all the evidence oh, sure. that, that we yeah. can be around it. And I guess, well, yeah. maybe that's something with your infrastructure commission yeah. hat on. Maybe that's something the commission oh, will right. be commissioned yeah. to, to to do. And because, I, I, I would mm. I would just say it's also you know one of the most sustainable projects, which mm. I think is extraordinary. It's an exemplar. You know, it's won so mm. many sustainability awards. I yeah. think that that's something we cannot you know mm. kind of. Uh, put to one side mm. when we're thinking about mm. you know the world as we are at this mm. moment in time but also a big infrastructure project so I think that's a, another feather in its cap. So if that's where we're getting it right yes where could we be doing better right now? 
I think we could be doing better in the sort of co- the bigger coordination conversation. I think that we do the the kind of bits very well, um, but what we're not doing is joining up the dots. And I think that's often what leads to um, you know the the problems that we encounter. And um, you know, if if one thinks about the work um, that we did for the Oxford and Kings Cambridge corridor, for example, it really showed that um, at the time there was a you know, we needed to have better coordination between our infrastructure projects, our housing uh, development opportunities. And and it, it's not rocket science. <laughs> um, and, um, and there are lots of willing parties. They just all seem to be, often they seem to be pulling in the wrong direction. Yeah. And... Uh, and I and if you if you have the kind of opportunity to observe, um, not necessarily as part of uh, the process, but as somebody looking from the outside in, um, yes, it's very easy to sort of pick holes in it. But I don't I don't see it's picking holes. I think well, actually, um, here's here's some things that you could do better that would make such a much bigger difference than mm. the kind of small the small dot of um i can't think of a good word for this but you know it's like it's like a, it's like the ripple effect mm. yeah. um you know if you if you find something small that you can do right right at the beginning of the process that will change um uh, that will um, mean that something does happen or doesn't happen further down the line. That's where you can really add value. So I, I'm a great believer in in having some time, some headspace mm. in these projects to think about how we can join the dots better. And I think in order to do that, we have to be a much we need to be better at sharing. You know, mm. we need to be better at understanding that other you know other people have are really good at what they do, um, and and. But if we can collaborate more as an industry, um, and that means sharing, you know, perhaps sharing things that we feel uncomfortable about sharing because mm. we think that, you know, somehow we're going to, you know, lose some value or money because of that. I just think we'll we'll get to a much better place quicker, and that's what we need to do. We need we we need to get much better, lighter lighter on our feet at. Um, uh, which sounds counterintuitive, uh, but I think actually helps to um, uh, helps helps in the kind of strategy of these big projects. When when you're sort of down in the nitty gritty, you often you just sort of in a groove, and those grooves quite, can quite easily start spreading away from each other um, and pulling against each other rather than doing the opposite. And they, you know, we, we definitely desperately need much better co- coordination, much better collaboration. It's really interesting because I guess yeah, perhaps our other big projects where it's understandable people will go into that sort of bunker mentality yeah. because they can be you know yeah. criticized for quite sure, openly and sure. quite quite viciously and, and and so you can understand people sort of getting into that bunker mentality but I guess there are examples and I've perhaps potentially that the Oxford Cambridge sort of corridor yeah. you mm-hmm. refer to there is is the example where it has been quite open from the start what the, what the plan is what the no initially defined kind of well there's an idea of what the solution might be but it's quite open wasn't it and the outcome yeah. is was really much very much built around a sort of particularly built around housing and, and and opportunity and so that does allow multiple players to get involved and actually really think about it from a from a big picture point of view yeah and i think i think one of the things the nic actually did well was convene and uh and often you need um 
you know, you need somebody at the table who's yeah. able to draw all a lot of disparate um, groups, not disparate, but, you know, pe people with different agendas or different priorities together. And, um, you know, if there's not enough to go around, <laughs> then then you have to make sure that, he, that, that you know, everybody, I mean, it, it sounds trite, but, you know, you have to make sure that everybody works together. Sometimes that means giving up something in their patch in order that the region as a whole uh, will um, improve and be more prosperous. And that might be at the, they, you know, it might be at the expense of losing something in your, you know, yeah. uh, that, that you hold dear. But um, we have to get much better at looking at the kind of national picture um, in a way that is still relevant to um, the regions, yeah. um, but is, is much more kind of generous. I guess this is what Northern Powerhouse and, and in our world, Northern Powerhouse Rail is trying yeah. to do. And I yeah. guess it's um, early days and, yeah. and I guess we'll see if, if that does yield a sort of consensus view and around some, some big stuff getting done, much needed big stuff getting done. Yeah, and I think, I, you know, we just have, you just have to keep the pressure on and, and you know, I felt that sometimes, you know, you you step away if you if you have a if you have a leading force or you have a opportunity as the as the NIC did to sit down and say okay, you know let's try and work this out. Um, you know the 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 worry is of course the minute you step away everything goes back to but you know the sort of um, you know as as all is best intentions everyone as you say you know kind of reverts back to type and um, and that's. Uh, that's what we have to avoid doing, and that's why I think it's really important to to keep the kind of momentum going on these big projects, to keep the kind of um, uh, the c collaborative, uh, um, uh, the, the you know this sort of this sense of collaboration to yeah. move, to move things forward. Now, of course, one of your other very notable roles was yes. recently was. Chairing uh, the judging panel for this year's oh, yes. British Construction Industry Awards. Highlight of my year. Highlight of the year. Highlight, Highlight of my year. Excellent. <laughs> Highlight of Alex of and I's year as well, I, I, I think. Um, winners are um, revealed um, earlier this month, of course. And, and you know, we, we do enjoy judging X. It does mean we get to go around the country and look at all these wonderful completed projects, um, which we are increasingly trying to judge on the outcome and, and are trying to bring in more sort of key sort of government stakeholders to help with the judging, yeah. um, including the uh, National Infrastructure Commission. Um, so I guess, you know, do, what's, you know what, what struck you this year from that experience? We didn't, London Bridge won last year, which is a rich, rich, yes. that's, 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 yeah. that's a good tick in the box, yeah. that we picked a good winner um, yeah. uh, last year. This year, our project of the year was the Jack Copland Centre right. up, up in yeah. Edinburgh, which I did go and see, and it yeah. is an amazing building. Yeah. Me too. Designed Me too. Yeah. with absolutely yeah. the outcome in mind it's it's a world already a world-class building which people from all over the world who need uh, a building to do that kind of um, blood transfusion service which, yeah. is, which is what it is i should say it's a blood transfusion lab basically um and yeah that, that's when you see things like that it just strikes you that there's some pretty amazing stuff goes on out there 
I think it, I, I la- you know, the great thing about the British Construction Industry Awards is that, you know, you picked up on it, it's judged by a whole different group of, you know, really good mix of people from lots of different backgrounds. Um, so it's not architects judging architects or engineers judging engineers. You have a, you have a really interesting mix um, and diverse uh, group of judges, then that means that the conversations are very mixed and diverse. Mm. And, you know, and you don't, it's not, you know, you have to kind of stand back and remember, and, you know, going to my point earlier, Mm. you know, sometimes I might look at a project and think, well, it's not, uh, and I'm not, I'm not being specific or any, you know, you might look at a project and think, well, it's not, it's not, I wouldn't give it, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't list it as the top architectural prize, Mm. for instance, but this isn't about that. This is Mm. about, you know, this is about um, a project that combines a whole mix of different uh, attributes. And, you know, if you, if you look at the project uh, of the year, um, it did exactly that, you know, it was the most complex brief, (laughs) I think I have, you know, ever, not, not quite ever seen, but it was extraordinary. And the, and the sort of, just, you know, the electricity layout and the ducting layout and you know, I th- um, you may not have done this, but I actually visited the m- intermediate floor with all the ducts in it because, of oh. course, you can't, you know, you can't go into any of the labs to change a light bulb or anything. It was, no, it was just so. I mean, this is I a mean, it was like being with, in a, it yeah. was, I, you know, I felt like I was in some kind of, I was going to say 70s, but that's, that's you know, uh, let me think about, you know, kind of... Um, uh, Star Wars movie. Mission Impossible yeah. film. Like, yeah, I mean, it was just it, it was it was outstanding, and yeah. and and then on top of that, the you know the kind of quality of the architecture is um, is really notable. So oh. I you know I think that um, for me I love I, I love shouting about you know kind of what we do well, and and the the other great thing about the British Construction Industry Awards is that it's also you know it highlights good practice, mm. or you know you have sort of awards for sewers you know (laughs) the stuff that keeps us going and um and 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 those those projects that are that need such kind of complex um uh that involve such complexity such ingenuity you know Mm. the ingenuity of our engineering uh, um, industry is just extraordinary. So um, for me, it's a huge pleasure, and uh, and I, you know, I love I love the debates. I love the conversation. I love being with a set of judges who come with a completely different perspective of my own, <laughs> and um, and we always have really interesting debates. And I think mm-hmm. that that's that's kind of part of the process in in judging awards because you you have to think about at this moment in time what is really you know what really matters you know sustainability of course is big on the agenda you know making sure that our buildings have long term uh, you know flexibility um, you know that that will work not just now but in 20 and 30 40 50 years time all of those things um, are really kind of present and and are talked about in a way that three or four years ago just didn't you know kind of it, it wasn't part of necessarily part of the conversation I think this is marvelous you're doing the advocacy that I think we hope the BCIA judges as a whole and, and the whole projects, we, you know, the awards, we, we really want to be advocates, for yeah. like you say, for the different themes that maybe yeah. emerge as time goes on. What's quite interesting when you're visiting the projects as a judge, and, and probably this resonates a bit more broadly, oftentimes maybe the architects that lead the presentations of the project on site 
tend to be a little bit more I don't want to say flamboyant that sounds really kind of cliche but have have much more rehearsed the sort of reasons why this project is really outstanding compared with perhaps some of the I don't know local authority project leaders or the other I don't know sewer engineers that we've maybe referenced briefly this thing about trying to really become champions of our infrastructure and really celebrate the good things what can the engineers who are still struggling I suppose to tell that story learn from this and from perhaps architects who do it a little more I think you know I think what comes out in any presentation is is the passion for these projects and um you know let's take Greener Grangetown for Mm. example you know um I don't remember meeting an architect I remember meeting all the people from the local council Mm. you know and the engineer Mm. and 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 uh, landscape designers and and it was such a wonderful example of a of a kind of group of people who had got together and absolutely um squeezed this you know this project was so much greater than some of its parts (laughs) and and the passion and enthusiasm that came with it uh i i found totally inspiring um so and then and it didn't feel rehearsed in any way. Mm. And I think many of the visits aren't, aren't necessarily rehearsed in that way. And to be honest, I get a bit put off by over-rehearsed. <laughs> when you get given you know, a presentation document. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's useful. I mean, I, yeah. think, I think what's useful is understanding the context. Mm. Um, so information is very useful. And I think that's what architects are good at. Yes. You know, we're good at yeah. giving you the information. Sometimes it's like, well, if only I'd seen what it was like, bef- you know, the before and after photos. Yeah. It's like, yeah. how do you know how how transformational wonderful yeah. it is unless you but when I was seeing the London Bridge mm. um in fact I was uh it didn't it, it was shortlisted for the Sterling Prize and they had a oh. they had a um a film of it and I was just reminded of what it was like before and I'd forgotten <laughs> how awful it was and um and it's that sort of mm. um those small things yeah. that I think architects are very good at narrative but, yeah exactly storytelling, but, yeah. but for me to be honest it's you know if you have the information it's the it's the passion it's the coerce, cohesive nature of a mm. presentation when it's not just one person but it's three or four people who you can tell have worked you know together to make this thing happen so yes and you know what I think it comes back to that point you've already made about sharing I Mm. I mean I suppose the thing that I think really always grabs Alex and I and it and it pains me as a as a as a as a civil engineer as a fellow of the IC institution of civil engineers is is that the the ability often and it isn't always the architect Mm. presenters but often the the architect presenters to, to really sort of sell and communicate the vision for what they had at the start. They'll use language like, you know, what we were what we were trying to achieve was, what we were what we were imagining was, yeah. and, and it will be with reference to what was there before yeah. and what's around yeah. it. It will always be in reference or in context for something. Whereas with the engineers you often get, well what we were told to do was or what we <laughs> yeah. had or what we had to do was yeah. is yeah. usually usually is the level. What we had no, to do was yeah. and it, an immediate And they talk it. about the constraints often as well. Yeah. We had to not yeah. upset these yeah. people and we had yeah. to not <laughs> we couldn't go there and we couldn't yeah. go beyond See, this site. You know, that's it's, also yeah. wonderful. You know, if you can if you can combine that with yeah. somebody well, yeah. you know, if you can combine that mm. that sort of um you know that really concise precise mm. thinking that is absolutely getting into the nuts and bolts and 
really having to work that out with somebody who's a little bit more perhaps uh, has a slightly more lateral way yeah. of thinking um, and is able to tell that story then that I mean then we're talking about a kind of match made in heaven yeah. and um, you know and I think that we we need to remind remember what we all do well um, and and be be generous to each other mm. in in that regard so um you know don't slag off the architect because you know they're oh my god no one really ever understands what they're saying or they can't, you know oh, well they would say that wouldn't oh. they? they just go off and do all that and they get all the you know they credit just, you know they get all the credit the and we're the ones you know they um, do use a lot of long words often they do they're they're now tell them my you know, but um, so you know, engin- you know, I, th- I always think if engineers, um, uh, what you know, were if if we all were more generous, um, mm. architects included, and say actually this was a massive team effort, yeah, and uh, the reality is mm. the engineers, you know, really like yeah. absolutely yeah. start the show. And you know, if you look at if you look at London Bridge, that's a great example. Yes, you have a fabulous architect, mm. but actually, the kind of engineering and the and the kind of the the working out how to un- unlock all of that is you know was the, was the real winner of that scheme. Yeah. I think. And, and look, I think you know, as a massive plea to anyone listening who might consider entering the British Construction Industry Awards in the future year, no project has ever won a British Construction Industry Award by just showing up on a site visit with just the architect or just the character or just the designer or just the client please (laughs) bring out all your team including the client yeah the client the client the client as well they are the ones that help the judges then sell it rather vocally back at the judging chamber should we say (laughs) yeah there's i mean you know there's you can't you can't pretend that um you need to be, you know, you do absolutely need to be good communicators. Yeah. We all need to be good communicators. Yeah. And, you know, and I think as an industry, we need to be so much better yes. um, at communicating mm-hmm. what we're good at. Yeah. So in in a fact, in fact, you know, this, you know, maybe, maybe there, you know, we should reflect on that more yes. and say, actually, we do need to start, start telling the story. We do need to start, talking about the, the way in which we do things a little bit more differently. I mean, I think the IC is very, you know, it's, it's, it's very good at that. It's, it had a really, that, it had that excellent exhibition recently. You know, it's really, it's really trying it's to trying, engage definitely. in a different way. And um, so I think that, you know, everybody gets it, but we, mm-hmm. I think everybody has to reflect a little mm-hmm. bit on the messaging uh, and the way in which they, they talk about the things that we do yeah. and just be a bit more positive. Yeah. Well, so on that then, that's a perfect segue. There's, there's a project knocking around at the moment, which arguably we haven't as a, as a group, as an industry, as a profession, been as brilliant at communicating the, the value to the country as, as we could have been. And it's, of course, High Speed 2. Yeah. Um, you are the independent yes. uh, design, yeah. uh, design chair of it. So um, where are you at with it right now? Here's, as... Doug Oakley comes close to completing his review and submitting it to the Prime Minister. Have you given some evidence to Doug or some thoughts to Doug? Um, I've given some thoughts to Doug, yes. Mm. And I think that um, we, you know, I mean, no, the answer is nobody knows uh, what the outcome will be. Um, I personally think that it's 
you know, it's a project that really needs to happen. And yeah. however, uh, you, you know, and there's, um, it, it's been under, it feels like it's been under scrutiny for so long. Since that, it started almost, yeah, really. And that I think that there, you know, I would love that this is just a kind of draw a line in the stand and say, um, you know, this is the conclusions we have at this moment in time. Um, and, you know, I, you know, whatever, what, whatever the outcome is, um, and I, I personally think the project will continue, that we can now just all get on and do it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you can't, you know, I tried to allude to this a little bit in my speech, which mm. uh, at the awards, which is to say that, you know, you, I, I, I absolutely believe that, that, you know, that we need to be critical, we need to learn from our mistakes, mm-hmm. and we need to make sure that we don't do things, um, profli- you know, in a profligate way, that we are careful with, um, you know, taxpayers' money, and, and, you know, that we deliver on our promises. But we also need to be reminded that, you know, that there are a group of people who've been working and working and working to make this project happen. And, you know, it takes a lot of time to, you know, kind of respond. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it takes a lot of energy and and it and it's very difficult to continually keep positive when you are under that level yeah. of criticism the mm-hmm. whole time. And um, you know, I think there's a you know, I've, I know the team at HS2, you know, there's a lot of really great committed mm. people who are super talented. And um, and I think, you know, let's hope that they can just, you know, after this process mm. has gone through, they can actually just get on with their job. And, um, and I think if they, you know, yes, I'm not saying that there aren't things that could change or get better or be rethought about. And I think there's, a, you know, may, there's always a good time in a project to kind of stop and reflect because often things, you know, can, uh, you know, re- to reset yourself. Yeah. But I think once that's happened, you know, let's not keep doing it because, you know, we are not making the best um, out of what we have in that situation. Mm. Otherwise, you know, I think I think just let them get on with it. And I think if once the shackles are off, one would yeah. hope that they will fly. And with your role and that referencing, back, you mentioned earlier about those earlier points in the in the conversation of a project, I suppose, yeah. and being able to really give that sort of design impact on yeah. something. Let's hope this becomes something that engenders national pride. How, how do you imagine that might start to look in terms of the design of certain elements of the project? Well, I think if you, you know, there's been a lot of energy and effort uh, um, put into um, design, you know, kind of designing uh, a number of, well, uh, one would hope all of HS2. I don't get to see all of it. I get to see, no. you know, as a design panel, we get to see a kind of very small part of it. But, yeah. but the improvements that the, the, that kind of scrutiny has had, I think, has been extraordinary. So, um, but we are a critical friend. Yeah. Um, so it's know, not all going to be a little bit, you know. No, we. Isn't make, this marvelous? Well yeah, done. No, carry no, on. But, yeah. but to go to my point before, I think that there's you. I think you can. You can. You can. Uh, you can give uh, advice mm-hmm. and you can support and give uh, critical advice if you do so in an environment which is supportive, yeah. which isn't saying, oh, my God, that's just, you know, the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, not so constructive criticism. Yeah. <laughs> um, because that is not helpful. No. Um and uh, and I think that what we've always tried to do as the design panel is to say, look, you know, um, 
you know, this is absolutely going in the right direction, but we think you need to spend a bit more time on X or Y right. or, um, you know, actually you need to work harder on thinking about the materials or the landscape. or mm. And a lot of our criticism actually in the early days was around, you know, we have to think this of, think, think about this in the round. And going back to your point, you know, when you have engineering-led solutions, often they are focused on... Um, unpacking a problem mm. that is uh, engineering focused and yeah. we and so a lot of our conversations in the early in the early stages were this is actually uh, this is this is about designing something that yes is a high speed railway <laughs> but also something that's good to look at and yeah. fits within its landscape and works yeah. for you know everybody yeah. so um uh, and i think we've seen huge improvements uh, because of that change of focus mm. and and that is a big lesson to be learned actually about our national infrastructure which is to say right from the beginning we you know let's let's actually have a broader view um, in order that we don't go down a process and, and get a quarter of the way through and then think, oh, gosh, yeah, we haven't thought about that, you know, um, which, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. is, is more complicated to kind of, you know, make, well, make better <laughs> yeah. than, than if you'd started on at the beginning. And that's something that we're trying to do at the National Infrastructure Commission. We set up um, the design group mm. uh, on the back of a couple of recommendations mm. that we've made in the NIA to government around all infrastructure of national significance should be subject to design review and have a champion at board level, which is to try to learn the lessons from uh, HS2 in particular and those big infrastructure projects, you know, uh, Network Rail are now looking, having mm. had a design uh, review, Highways England, and to just try to say, look, um, if we could have a set of principles that looks across all of our infrastructure and it's just a reminder to those who are setting out at the beginning of the process the sorts of mm. things that they should be thinking about right from the beginning we can really yeah you know we mm. can actually stop a lot of yeah. you know not all yeah. terrible mistakes no, happening no, but, but um, we can definitely make some considerable improvements i think to the to the final outcome no i, I think it's really really important and really interesting and you, you talk about highways england there i mean we're seeing it around you know a couple of their big projects they've yeah. got going on I mean, you talk about hs2 being we talk about HS2 being potentially quite controversial in, in certain places. Well, yeah. nothing compares to Stonehenge Tunnel, really, well, in terms right. of controversy. Yeah. And yeah. and you see Highways England are, you know, continuing to evolve their, their designs around, certainly around the portals and things yeah. like that, trying to soften them and improve yeah. them and, and divide up through the, uh, uh, forget the name of it, through the valley term to the west of, of the heritage site. Yeah. You know, there's, there's work going on there. It's probably a work in progress probably um, if you've seen them I don't know if you've seen their latest proposals I'd say they're probably still a work yeah. in progress but no, no. Um, but, um, but you know you can you can see it's happening and similarly it's a shame he's no longer there but Tim Jones when he was project directing uh, Lower Thames Crossing I mean extraordinary amount yeah. of time going yeah. in to try and you know make that you know, which you know which is a yeah tunnel under the Thames but also quite Quite a hefty road going through the uh, going through the, the green belts of Kent and um, trying to really kind of soften and embrace yeah. actually. And he yeah. talked. We talked on a previous podcast about Tim talked about he hates the word mitigation because it implies yeah, that's right. that you're doing yeah. harm and you're mitigating yeah, it. Right. Whereas he yeah. would prefer to talk yeah. about improvement. Yeah. But that makes the treasury nervous because that implies you're spending yeah. unnecessary yeah. money, and there's a sort of there's a language issue. And there then there's the rest of doing. the population that tends yeah. to fear mm. new infrastructure or mm. you know, improvements to existing infrastructure as a 
an abomination something going to run through beautiful countryside but again i think we even forget on hs1 there were i think there were there was an awful lot of improvements to the ecology yes yeah, post construction yeah, right. yeah. and again if people heard that when they heard oh we might be building a new high-speed railway in the uk <laughs> even just slightly in the back of their minds it might start to i suppose help Again, it's the storytelling, isn't it, I suppose? It's how well, collectively, people are able to really ingrain that information into people's minds. I think it's also about the appetite. You know, at the moment, you know, it's a very precarious world to be, you know, making big change. And Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, one's naturally, you know, I think it's in the natural psyche to sort of want to just you know kind of go and lie down in a darkened room (laughs) Um, and sometimes in in moments of um you know in these types of times one has to be bold Mm. and and make some you know take some really strong leadership decisions and when you do that of course it doesn't you know not everybody um will be behind you but i think you have to have the courage of your convictions Mm. and um and we have to start, you know, investing back in our infrastructure. Um, and that, I think, will help in the long term to improve our economy mm. and will help to improve, you know, um, the way that we operate within a, in a global kind of world. And that's a global world that doesn't really make sense, do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but... Um, uh, and so I'm, I'm really pleased that, um, you know, successive governments are, you know... T- taking you know the kind of uh, t- taking infrastructure as the sort mm. of you know the thing that they you know we need to be more serious about we need to invest in so I think as an industry we are you know we're looking forward to mm. those kinds of opportunities and we're really well placed to make sure that you know we do them well and as I said before we are learning from the, the, from our uh, the things that we've done well in the past, but also the things that we haven't done so well. But that means that we need to also communicate between each other. It means that we can't go back into our silos. It means that we need to, you know, make sure that we're continually collaborating, continually talking, continually sharing best practice. Um, you know, which is why awards are great. It's why, you know, just kind of talking about these things is so important. It's perfect that you mentioned that as well, about doing things a little better as well. Today, we're talking to you just off the back of the Queen's speech, which may or may not still hold by the time this yeah. podcast is released. But um, <laughs> Yeah, the week in... The, 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 the long week, week to watch. <laughs> it, is, it really is. Yeah. Um, but there was a promise of legislation designed to modernise the regulation um, surrounding housing developments, particularly in, in tower building or tower improvements in relation to sort of trying to ever prevent prevent ever a repeat of Grenfell yeah, Tower fire. Yeah. Um, it's gone a little further than the Judith Hackett review recommendations, apparently, in that there is going to be the introduction of creating legislation for clear accountability for safety. And this is where it's quite interesting to us throughout the design and construction as well as in the maintenance yeah. and, and yeah. refurb. Um, it's also even mentioned something that our, our inaugural podcast was exactly about, the competency requirements and skills needed in yeah. our engineering world. From your perspective as a designer, what's your immediate reaction to something like that? What's, what do you think that kind of will have in, in terms of an impact creating legislation around something like this? 
I mean, I think the first thing to say that Grenville was such a sort of awful, awful tragedy and um, and it affects, you know, affected all of us mm. in a way that is really, um, I don't know, I think I, I felt very changed mm. after, after Grenfell. Um, and I think it is, that was a time to sit and reflect and say, okay, as an industry, why did we, how did, how could we let this happen? And, um, and I think that, uh, I think there is a, you know, there is a piece, yes, around competency, but there's also a piece around, um, again, I, I think it is about a broken, uh, chain of events mm. and, um, and making sure that we are respecting, uh, what each other do, what she, you know, what our yeah. skills are and, and not allowing, um, uh, a break in that, mm. in, in that in that um, uh, in that chain of responsibility in order to save money uh, and cut costs mm. and do things you know kind of slip round the round the back mm. in the corner of things and yeah. that's I think what we have to try to stamp out mm. which is to say you know we have to build we have to build quality and um, and we have to do that at a cost that is right. Um, that doesn't mean kind of it costing the earth and it doesn't mean, um, you know, that we necessarily can't do things well uh, and and reduce costs if we're careful and clever about it and innovative about it. Um, and that's the way that we need to mm. move forward. We don't need to move forward by just cutting, cutting, mm. cutting. We need to move forward by innovating, innovating, innovating. Um, and, uh, and so when we have legislation, I think that it's, of course it's important but what we mustn't make we must make sure that it doesn't stifle innovation um because that's the i think that's the only way we're going to in the future deliver quality we're going to de deliver quality that's sustainable and that we're going to be able to build for instance the number of homes that we need yeah. as quickly as we need um without without cutting corners and, and it's the cutting corners that cost people's lives mm. and that's what we have to stop and I think the immediate reaction from anyone that's a beneficiary of anything that has been done well I don't think people would begrudge that 20% that might have been spent more than say someone who's been given an arbitrary right we need 20% cost savings on the this set of projects right now as much as it may occupy the treasury mm. it, you know I don't think when it trickles down to the people who are yeah. And I, you know, all all you're doing is is setting up, you know, kind of, you know, kind of problems for the future. You know, it's like, are we really going to have to retrofit all of our mm. new homes in twenty years' time because mm. they don't meet the kind of sustainability yeah. criteria yeah. that the, you know, the government has actually set itself? I mean, there's a whole, you know, you, you can play that through pretty much anything, which yeah. is to say, you, you know, if you you have to understand. Um, that there is a correct cost for something, yeah. be it our big infrastructure projects, like Crossrail, be it our, you know, but it's like, and that's, yeah. you know, if if that's carefully benchmarked and sensible, and isn't and isn't cut a quarter or half in order to sell it as an idea in the first mm. place, and then don't worry, half, you know, let's let's push the issue down the line and yeah. deal with it, cross that bridge when we come to it. Well, you know, inevitably, if you're crossing that bridge when it comes to it, and that's a painful, embarrassing situation where something isn't meeting the correct cost that's mm -hmm. one thing but when it's somebody's 
life that has been lost, then that is absolutely not acceptable. Yeah. That's well absolutely said. right, isn't it? And you, you know, Alex, you say, you made a point, Cross, I mean, Crossroads is the greatest, <laughs> unfortunately, the example where the cost yeah. was artificially yeah. cut. Everyone knows it's matter record. Yeah. It started us at 15-something. It was cut to 14-something to appease the Treasury. And lo and behold, it's costing 15-something yeah. plus to deliver it. Yeah. We started talking about London Bridge, on the other hand, yeah. which could have cost considerably less but one of some of the reasons it ended up costing more is because you know decisions were made during the course of the, of the program to, to to improve it you know to add yeah. bits in to, to not yeah. put up a horrible shed yeah. um, to not you yeah. know do a really basic yeah. job you know mm-hmm. it was it was done because the the, the ultimate outcome was was thankfully recognized yeah, i suppose we hope hs2 um, falls into the yeah. the london bridge um lesson learning bucket cause... yeah and i think you know if you go back to that national pride yeah. you know it's like you know, we desperately need to feel proud oh, yeah. as a nation. Oh, yeah. And we desperately need to be able to kind of reflect on those things that we're good at. And, you know, our infrastructure, our built environment is is a very real um, manifestation uh, that we can all see. You know, we, we, we don't see the kind of banking sector. We don't see the insurance sector. We don't see the tech. Well, we do see the tech sector. But, you know, we, yeah. you know, the built environment is, is, actually something that we can you know that's that um uh that can be something that's completely wonderful Mm. or something that you know drags us down and i and i am an absolute believer and you know you said it yourself about london bridge and the regeneration and the kind of extraordinary uplift um that that has brought you know why why can't we um somehow understand that you know that that is an incredible value the kind of you know the feel-good factor yeah. you yeah. know how much is that worth you know i yeah. would say quite a lot because, oh, absolutely um, yeah. you know there's nothing you know as a we need we need to be inspired and unified be positive yeah. you know we need to feel like you know all the things we're doing is kind of, kind of worth it well um, absolutely you've said it haven't you and and you know it's not just london the bridge as we say but it's uh, it's you know a lot of the projects we we see in in the bca was look at the, the transport project the this year in northern spire i mean that's in, in the bridge in sunderland i mean that's that could have been a could, could have been could have been a much much simpler structure yeah. Yeah. but it was that going to deliver the regeneration benefits of what they desperately needed to do well we don't know yet because it's a bit like <laughs> yeah. you know it's it's you know a year or two yeah. younger than london bridge you know we don't know um but that's what we're trying to achieve as an industry isn't it is is that kind of um as you say that transformational impact that uh, that inspires um so are we inspiring then sadie are you inspired well as an industry yeah yeah um, I think we can do a bit better. I mean, I think that our built outcome is often very inspiring. Yeah. I just don't think we're... I think, you know, we we do need to work. We do need to work a little bit on our on our uh, on our narrative. Um, and uh, and I think actually, uh, you know, I'm I'm looking down at Equality, Diversity, Inclusion oh. uh, Initiative of the Year, and I just think that one of the ways we can be more inspiring is to allow a whole another kind of group of people to help uh, tell that story mm-hmm. and um, I always find that uh, the the you know uh, that's you know that's when we do things best uh, that's when we tell the story best that's when we are inspiring and and uh, is when is when you have a group of people who aren't 
the necessarily those people who would always describe um, the, <laughs> the the industry uh, uh, and you know bringing different voices mm. is I think is definitely a way that we can improve the situation. I think we know what you're saying there, Sadie. And I, and we I think, hear you. I think we hear that. And we, we'll take that gauntlet yeah. as well ourselves. <laughs> Thank you ever so much for joining us. It's Pleasure. been really fascinating and yeah. brilliant company. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you in association with Bentley Systems. Valued for their depth, breadth and scalability, Bentley Software Solutions can help you gain insight from the data you create and coordinate, improve decisions and achieve better business outcomes. With digital technology changing the way the world lives, it's time to apply digital technology on infrastructure projects to close the productivity gap with other industries. Your organization may already be going digital, but if it's struggling to embrace change or realize the benefits of digital technologies, Bentley invites you to gauge your organization's progress by taking one of our going digital assessments. Work with a partner you can trust and accelerate your pace of possible by going digital with Bentley at bentley.com forward slash going digital.